0: I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm just asking for an honest heart. How many of us, our relationships with God have been harmed because of the hardship and the suffering and the difficulty we've gone through? Maybe we've blamed God. Maybe we've doubted God. Maybe we've tried to bargain in God and it doesn't work because bargaining with God doesn't work. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Cutting a deal with God doesn't work, guys. That's not scriptural. Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. That's not scriptural. So, of course, you're going to leave disappointed. But I'm just asking us to be wells right now. How many of us are in need of our relationship with God for healing? If you're in need of it, it's here available for you right now because the presence of God is here available for you right now. We've got to believe that he is good that our circumstances in our life and the things going around us in our suffering are not caused by him nor are they indicative of his heart for us. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God does not come to steal, kill, and destroy, but yet he wants nothing more for us to attribute blame to God for those things in our life where we've been stolen from or the areas where there's been destruction or betrayal in our lives. The enemy wants us to divert that blame to God when it's not God. Father, I just ask right now, through the power of your heart, and the blood of the Lamb, the completed work of Jesus Christ, for every person that's in this place is in need of healing from you in your relationship with them. Lord, just touch them now. Bring healing to their hearts and mind right now, Lord God. Lord, whether they've been betrayed or disappointed or have suffered and in any way have assigned that blame and that suffering and that disappointment or betrayal to you. Lord, I ask for the truth of your love just to consume them, Lord God. We're not asking you to justify yourself, Lord. We're just asking you to be yourself. Good and loving. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. The second result of their healing is that their relationship with each other has suffered as well. If we went all the way back to James chapter 1, James 1 1, and, and recapped all the ways that he is encouraging the church, we can see that there are relationships that have been harmed. They've played favorites against one another. They verbally attacked one another. Their tongues have been used as weapons and as fire and have brought destruction against one another. They have fought with each other. They have slandered each other. They have judged each other. And once again, in James' plea, at the end of his letter, there's the encouragement to bring healing in their relationships. Why? Because God has a plan for his church to be unified, to be whole. To be united. To be a place of vulnerability. To be a place of honesty where we can come to one another. A place of security and safety. What an amazing, what, an, what a ridiculously amazing transformation James envisions in the church. He envisions going from a place where people are slandering one another to where they are going to that same person and they feel the security and the love and the unity to confess their sins to that same person. That, my friends, is transformation. That is the power of God. And that is James's, that's his vision and hope and prayer for the church. James envisions a church that is unified. Unified because of our common need for forgiveness. We share a oneness with one another. You guys, if we want unity, we must be intentional. Intentional about standing with one another. In our homes, if we want our families unified, if we want our marriages unified, we've got to be intentional about standing together in unity with the Lord, with one another. We stand before God as sinners in need of His mercy, in need of His grace, wanting His righteousness. But this is key, guys. Not just for ourselves, but for others, for everyone around us. What are our desires for His church? Do we want God's grace for our lives? Do we want God's mercy for our lives? Absolutely, I want God's mercy. I I depend upon His grace. But do we want just as bad as we want His grace and mercy for our lives? Do we want His grace and mercy for each other? Just as bad as we want His grace on our lives, do we want it for one another? Or would we rather have His justice or what we think is His justice? Would we rather have His judgment? Lord, I thank you for your grace upon my life and Lord I thank you for your judgment upon my brother. Lord, be merciful upon him as you judge the heck out of him. <laughs> this is this is what Paul or I'm sorry, James is dealing with. This is what James is addressing and what he's pleading for. Just a reminder when it comes to righteousness, and James talks about righteousness, so we're here, we're talking about it. Let's just keep something in mind. We're not talking about something that we've got to build up as our own sort of righteousness, and we want righteousness for others. We're not talking about them earning some sort of godliness. That is not righteousness. A righteousness is a pure pursuit of God and his mercy flowing over us that makes us right, that makes us in right standing him. It's, it's, a, it's a pursuit of where his, his blood is enough. His work is enough. His grace is enough. It's a radical concept to confess our sins one to another. It is radical. I imagine most of us are very uncomfortable right now with what I'm going to do next. I'm not doing anything next. I just wanted you to be a little uncomfortable for a little bit. I've I got nothing. That's, I'm just going to keep on preaching. But... It's a radical concept. It is. But if you think about it, if we're critical of one another, instead of criticizing a brother, we say, would you pray for me? Because I am struggling with being critical. And I'm struggling with being judgmental. And if I'm totally honest, I'm struggling with an anger, and I think it's rooted in not trusting the Lord. And it comes out in every part of my life. It comes out in my marriage. I, I, I'm i critical there. It comes out with my, my father, and it comes out at the workplace. It comes out at my kids games I, you know, would you pray for me because I, I feel ugly and I feel unworthy when I do it and then I don't feel his presence and his love and grace and then that just affects me even more but I'm just being real with you I've been critical of you but praise God I'm incredible to everybody it's not just you but would you I mean it's radical when we do that instead of judging other. We will be driven to confess to one another. Instead of desiring to place guilt over one another, we will become eager to forgive one another. It just happens. Instead of criticizing, we will be moved to intercede and stand in the gap in prayer for one another. Prayer works, criticism doesn't. Prayer works, judgment doesn't. Prayer works, Fill in the blank. So there's another church that's come into town. There's another church that's planting in Erie, Colorado. They're called Center Point Church. Their first service will be in September 14th. They're going to meet at Red Hawk Elementary School. And of all the closest, all the churches in Erie, they are the closest to our DNA. They're the closest to us. They are spirit-filled. They give the Holy Spirit freedom. They're worship-driven, Jesus-loving folks. And they're right here in Erie. Right down the road from us. So are we going to embrace this church or are we going to compare ourselves to them and criticize them? Because that's what our natural inclination is. To what for whatever insecurities, we rise up and we think there's only there's a limited amount of people that can come to our church. And so we criticize them and we look for things to poke fun at to somehow make ourselves feel better. How ridiculous is that? Instead of embracing them and praying for them and interceding for them and supporting them and seeing what can we do to help them. Well, clearly we're going to celebrate them. Um, I had been reaching out the pastors, the lead pastors, are John and Gina Horner, and they have three kids: Sadie, Ella, and Sam. And reached out through phone call and text with John. Um, had a, had a cup of coffee with them this week. Um, invited them to the NCMI pastors connect time. They came, so we. Uh, brought them in, introduced them to TK. TK had a wonderful word. And a lot of the guys were there, the different local churches. Steve Owens was there. Uh, they got to meet Brad and Kendra and Andy and Kim. And then at the end, TK goes, hey, would you, do you guys mind if we just pray for you? We just want to bless you and lay hands on you. So we pulled him up and we laid hands on him. We prayed for him. We blessed him. I mean, that's that should be normal, right? I mean, that that just that, it's admirable, But let's not break our arms patting ourselves on the back because that should be the norm. But friends, our our relationship with one another and the ways that we embrace each other and pray for each other and draw them in for prayer and connect them to other people that can advance them in, in their relationship with the Lord, that should be the norm as well. When we had coffee, John's like, how can I be praying for you? And I told him, I said, well, there's no way because... I'm a veteran in this town, dude. And it's all, we're money. We're good. You can pray for a bigger place because we're packing the place out every week. You can pray for a better bank because our. I didn't approach him as a guy with any answers other than Jesus Christ. I said, here's how you can pray for everybody. Personally, here's how you can pray. And then for a church here's how you can pray and I was real and I was vulnerable with him I didn't come as one with any answers or one carrying anything other than a need for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I made myself vulnerable to him in my prayer request because that's what we do when, when the pastors get together it's not pray for my grandma it's not pray for my grandma I'm good I'm good but my grandma could really use prayer no it's I am struggling with criticism and it is reflected in anger and you know, whatever those things are. We're real and vulnerable. So I'm like, might as well demonstrate it now. Let him know what he's getting into when the eerie pastors get together. Let's pray for them right now. Let's pray for them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, we just lift up Center Point Church to you, Lord, and John and Gina. Lord, uh, Sadie and Ella and Sam and in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we just pray your blessing upon them, Lord God. We just ask right now for your presence to consume them, Lord. Lord, you know what they're in need of, Lord, and we ask you to be abundant in your provision, Lord. Lord, draw people to them that are kingdom-minded, Lord, and that will help them plant this church and that will be workers and tenacious and lovers of you and servants and ministers and, Lord God, and givers, Lord God. Lord, you know what they need financially, Father? So we pray... For financial blessing, Lord, out of nowhere, Lord God. Bless them financially. Lord, you know what they're in need of as far as people and musicians and worship team. Lord God, surround them with worshipers, Lord. Lord, we pray for John and Gina and their marriage. Let their marriage be strong right now, Lord God. Stronger than ever. Lord, let their joy and their giddiness be completed in this season, Lord. Let them not miss a second of laughter because they're, they're fretting over what, what work needs to be done. Lord, let them find joy in your work. Lord, we pray for these children, Lord. Lord, Sadie and Ella and Sam, we pray blessing over them, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over them and declare no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Lord, let their family be strong and united, Lord God. Lord, we ask for this church to thrive. To thrive, Lord God. Lord, let it thrive. Let it grow. Let it flourish. We just pray your blessing and our blessing over it. In Jesus' name. Amen. It, the timing of this was just cool. The fact that we met with John and Gina and that was Thursday night and, and had coffee with John. The timing's cool. But it fits into what we're talking about. And that's a spirit of reconciliation being upon the church. The spirit of reconciliation that reconciles sinner to Savior. And that reconciles one to another. If we follow James's instruction of vulnerability and prayer, we will see great results. A spirit of healing will affect every relationship we have. Whether it's God, or parents, or friends, or ex-friends, or marriage. How many of us can say, yeah, I want a spirit of healing in every relationship I have? Like everything that James teaches, this too, James learned from his big brother, big half-brother. James learned this from Jesus. So let's see what Jesus had to say. And if I can just snap our attention back for one second. Let's listen to what Jesus had to say. These next two passages I'm going to read are the words of Jesus. If we were in certain denominations, we'd all stand right now, but you guys can stay seated. <laughs> Matthew five twenty two through 24. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing. I didn't realize Jesus was Southern, but apparently he is. You good for nothing. Shall be guilty before the supreme court and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell therefore if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering that last line what is Jesus saying first be reconciled to your brother then be reconciled to God First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and you can stand before the Lord with whatever you have to bring him. But don't just come to the Lord when you know that there's an area of a relationship that needs hurt, and needs forgiveness, and needs grace applied, and you refuse to go. Matthew 6, 9-15. through 15, Jesus responding to the question, how should we pray? And so this is Jesus' response to his disciples. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not leave us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if You forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. This isn't Jesus being paraphrased. This is Jesus speaking. How much clearer does Jesus have to be? We will not be in good standing with Him if we are not in good standing with one another. If there's a refusal to be in good standing with one another, friends, you are screwed. Period. If there's a refusal to be in good standing with one another because of your pride, your hurt, your past, your whatever, then I'm sorry. Your prayers aren't heard, your sins aren't forgiven, and you're in a pretty tough spot. And These are not my words or my opinions. This is the Word of God. The Word of Jesus Christ. A refusal to Forgive. Friends, I know of nothing more dangerous than that. What about blaspheming the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to not do both of those things. I'm going to forgive and I'm not going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I just want to cover both. First reconciled to men. First restored unto men. Restoration to men, then restoration to God. That was my intro. Last week I shared Jesus, or I'm sorry, James's uh, concluding instructions, written to a growing and suffering church in the matter of prayer. And James had three points of emphasis. By the way, I said emphasize last week. I checked with Webster. Emphasize is not a word. I'm contesting it. I'm asking you to support me and stand with me in this. <laughs> emphasize should be a word. So I appreciate your support. Thank you. We've had three points of emphasis. When to pray, how to pray, and why pray. So we covered last week, pray and how to pray. We covered two-thirds of those. Today we get to number three. After listening to to my message last week, I was talking with Hawk. And he's like, man, I'm not going to be at church. I wish I was, because it's going to be the shortest sermon ever. Why pray? Because God instructs us to, let's close in prayer. I'm like, you wish. You wish it was that short but it actually is pretty short. Why pray? Just to drive this point home, I want to demonstrate what happens to you when you don't pray. I mean, that's it. Nothing. You will get what you want Nothing. When you pre- we don't pray, this is what you get. Nothing. When we don't pray, that's the result. Nothing. Do we believe that? I believe that. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I've said it again and again. God doesn't do the silent treatment with us. That is not our Father. That, is, that would not make Him a good Father. He is not silent to us. So why would we be silent to Him? Knowing that He wants interaction, He wants dialogue, He wants prayer, He wants communication. Isaiah forty thirty one says this: Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will. I got two different versions going. They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not grow weary. That's an active waiting. Even that isn't sitting around doing nothing. We covered this a few weeks ago. That's an active waiting full of prayer and full of faith and full of things in expectation of a harvest. Even our waiting on God should be centered around prayer. James is a hundred percent convinced that prayer works, that prayer works. Brings results. Therefore, his final way to encourage the church is to describe the effectiveness of prayer. Why pray? Because prayer brings results. The conviction that prayer brings results, James implies. In 5, 13, and 14, he implies it. If anyone is among you suffering, then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. If anyone among you is sick, then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. He implies that prayer brings results. But check out what he brings in verses 15 and 16. He leaves no room for confusion, there is no implication. He is explicit in describing what results will happen when we pray. And the prayer offered in faith will restore. That word sozo, save, heal, deliver. The prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. There is no beating around the bush there. He is completely clear. It will bring results. Why pray? Because prayer brings results. James assures us of four results that will happen when we pray. The prayer will make the lost, bound and sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. He will be forgiven so that we may be healed. If you've given your life to Christ, you've experienced sozo, that Greek word for salvation. But friends, how many times throughout the week are we in need of His deliverance and His healing, His salvation? The prayer offered in faith will restore. When James declares that the repentant sinner will be forgiven this is his final reminder in his letter that God has only good gifts for us and that those gifts bring life and healing why pray because prayer doesn't just bring results prayer brings powerful effective results James 5.16, the last part of it says, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. In the Greek, this is a five-word sentence, and it is powerful. And it, it's written kind of in like yoda okay It's written like, here, here's how it, it sounds if we were to read it, um, it just in that Greek word. In, in those Greek words, it's five words, poly, then s q o and then Deasis, and then Dikeos, and then geomene, and then I think that's five. Okay, but here's how it is translated. Much has powerful ability. The humble petitions and requests of the innocent acceptable of God, that's you and I, the righteous, the innocent acceptable of God, which are both powerful and effective. He starts with much has powerful ability, and he wraps it up with power and effective. He is redundant, but he comes with it and says, you can expect great results. Now the word prayer, all throughout here, he uses a different word for prayer than he uses right here. The word prayer that he has used before is UK, and it just speaks of prayer. Here he uses the word diasis, which is supplication, petition, entreaties before God communicating that this is meant to be a part of our life. This is meant to be an intentional, intimate plea before the Lord. Not begging, not begging, but an entreaty before God. And he says, the results of this are ridiculous. The results of this are remarkable. These type of prayers prayed by righteous, those who are innocent before the Lord, those who are seeking and pursuing God. Not righteousness for something we've attained or something we've built up to, but because of who we are in the blood of the Lamb. That they bring incredible results. Looking back at what he's been saying all throughout his letter, and then kind of bringing it to this. James is saying, in your suffering and your trials, you don't need the favor of man. You don't need the power that's attained by men or self, or money, or favoritism, or selfishness, or fighting, or swearing, or oathing. Instead, use the power of prayer for which you do need righteousness. So commit yourselves to obeying the Lord. Commit yourselves to doing what is right without compromise. Then you can boldly and confidently come to God in prayer for all your needs, and the results will be fantastic. We have got to buy into prayer bringing results. For some of us, that will take a very intentional act because we grew up with prayer being a religious obligation. Prayer is something we do to satisfy or appease a very stringent God. That's not this is not obligation but it brings about tremendous results because of his faithfulness. James is convinced that the prayer of genuine faith the prayer of genuine faith that is the prayer that's effective to believe God to be who he says he is. why pray? because one of the powerful and effective results that prayer brings is supernatural transformation. We have an example that James says here in verse 17, the very next verse, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years, for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. James gives an example of prayer by calling upon an Old Testament hero that everybody is familiar with. Everybody in the church, when he wrote this letter, they were all familiar with Elijah. And he uses Elijah as his example. But he starts off by saying, he's a man with a nature just like you and me. And if you're familiar with 1 Kings 17 and 18 and the the stories of... Of Elijah and how the Lord used him, you know what I'm talking about. But just a brief recap. It starts with this standoff between Elijah and Ahab, and Elijah makes the declaration it will not rain in this land until I say it will again. It will not rain again until I say it will. And then Elijah went and prayed and prayed and prayed, and rain did not fall. During that time, the Lord. Brought Elijah to a widow's house, and the Lord moved miraculously to feed her with a never-ending supply of food. That widow's son died; the Lord used Elijah to raise him from the dead. And then it ends with this epic battle, and not not so much epic because it was just it was a blowout. Our God kicked the tar out of the the prophets of Baal, where that Elijah called for water for just to be soaked upon the altar. More water, more water, more water. Here we are in the, in the midst of a drought, right? It hadn't rained in three and a half years. Here we are in the midst of a drought, and Elijah's calling for just ridiculous things he has no business calling for. Shouldn't that water be used for something else? Oh, no, no, no. It should be used to demonstrate how awesome my God is. More water. Soak this thing. And then he calls forth the fire of the Lord, which just consumed the fire, consumed the altar, and the prophets of Baal were just massacred. And then it rains. He prayed once again, and it rains. Lord sent him seven times to look, to look, to look, to look, to look. Finally, he's like, I see something in the distance, the size of a man's fist. He's like, start running, because it's about to pour. A man with a nature like ours. Because right after this miraculous sign, he runs for his life, because... Jezebel threatens him. I don't get that one. But his nature is just like ours. And James is saying, you don't have to have some super strength. You don't have to be some superhero in the faith. Because Elijah was used in the supernatural, but he was a man just like you and I. He was flawed. But he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. The widow's son died, he prayed. The widow's son, or the widow was without food, he prayed. He prayed. Elijah was provided for by ravens while he was hiding because he prayed. Very interesting. Those ravens had to get the food somewhere. I I don't know who they stole from, but can you imagine sitting there having a picnic with your, your love and ravens just taking your food to go feed Elijah? But he was a man of prayer. We pray because God wants to bring supernatural results. All the things that Elijah accomplished, none of them were done because of who he was. Or within his own means, or with his own ability. They were done because God is God. And Elijah knew that and he prayed. James was saying, look, Elijah is a man just like you and I. But James was also saying this, stop striving for the goal of righteousness. Don't let your, your goal of perfection or super-spirituality be what keeps you from praying. Pray while you're seeking the Lord. Don't wait till you've attained righteousness. Part of what makes you righteous is running to the Lord and receiving His grace. Pray, 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 pray. His plea to the church was pray. It brings about results. Pray it brings about effective results pray it brings about supernatural amazing fire consuming water supernatural results pray we got to see this in james his final words pray pray friends pray once again guys we don't have to there's not an s on our chest it's just white None of us are super Christian. We're men, we're flawed. We're women, we're flawed. But we've got to pray and we've got to believe that prayer offered in faith. We've got to believe God is who He says He is, and I'm not going to stop praying. We've got to have faith, we've got to seek the Lord. His righteousness. His grace is upon us. It's not about what we earn. It's not about what we can do to proclaim ourselves righteousness. It's about ourselves so hiding ourselves in Him that all the Father sees is Jesus and Jesus, my friends, is righteous. If we get so nestled in to Jesus, so consumed in His arms, all that's seen is Jesus. Friends, that is righteousness. We're to share the testimonies of prayer. We're to remember the ways God has answered our prayer. Friends, let's not let us be a people with short memories. Remember the ways God has answered your prayer. Remember the ways that God has amazed you. Remember the miraculous. Remember the ways that He came through when no one thought anything would happen. Remember. And then share them. Share them. Tell others about them. We don't have to be afraid to say prayer works. Oh, what if prayer doesn't work? Prayer works! Pray! Seek Him while you're doing it. The results will be restoration unto God, a healing and a deliverance and a salvation. Remember and believe God's word. And the prayer offered in faith will save, heal, and deliver the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Don't go weary in doing good. I don't care how long you've been praying for that, that loved one who hasn't given their life to the Lord. Don't go weary in doing good. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. I know the circumstances you're in right now. You wish there was a better answer and there might not be. So pray. Don't do nothing. Don't. Don't do nothing. <laughs> pray. 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 Dialogue with the Lord. Pray. Tell Him about it. Pray.